nice to to be with all of you and sit with all of you. Mm. A long retreat is is very special. It's something really, really special. Um, it's special as a practitioner. The times I've sat long retreats, it's been really special, and and also in this role as 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 a teacher. Um, it's also very special to to be with you. It's 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 different from a week long retreat. It's just hmm. We're in it for the long haul together for a month. Yeah. It's very sweet. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. I feel already I'm going to miss you at the end of the month. <laughs> What's up with that? <sighs> mm, helps me appreciate appreciate this this service more. Helps me appreciate this more. So, uh, as advertised tonight topic is the second foundation of mindfulness, um, Vedana, feeling tone. So we spent um, the past, I want to make sure I, st- I stay loud enough, my voice does have the tendency to, to, fa- to, to, to trail and get soft. If that should happen, please signal wildly, yes, I, I will take note. Uh, so... Um, so we started the talks um, with with a couple of talks on on the body and um, and it's interesting that um, the second so so in the in the Satipatthana Sutta there are um, for, for for the first section for the body there are six contemplations and then. There is the feeling tone, Vedana. And then there is a mind. There are a bunch of mind states that we'll talk about, lower mind states, higher mind states. And then there are dhammas, mental objects. Uh, there are five, five of them. So there are many, many of the other ones. There's like long lists of other ones. And then the Vedana, feeling tone, is just the shortest one. Yet, it's so important that it deserved a whole foundation, a whole teaching in by itself, it, in an, uh, in, in, in an, of itself, it's, it's, it's an important teaching Vedana for the reasons we'll explore together tonight. But as a, as a way, I'm trying to pique your interest so you don't fall asleep while I talk. Um, it's um, keep in mind that if any of the foundations are practiced, uh, by themselves, they can lead to liberation. And if they're practiced together, it's even better. Um, in the Anapana Samyutta, the Buddha compares the four Satipatthanas to four chariots coming from four directions, each scattering a heap of dust at the intersection. So if you imagine the chariots coming, there's a heap in the intersection, driving through it, scattering each of them will be successful in scattering the dust alone. And if all four of them pass, a lot more dust will be scattered. So, so the development, the, the progression of the uh, Satipatthanas, the foundations, is also from coarser to finer. The body tends to be coarser. It's more available. It's where we start. The body, the breath, we get um, stabilized in the body and the breath. And then we move on to, to what's a little more subtle in our sphere of experience. And feeling tone um, is a little more subtle. But it's the fourth day or the 34th day, so you're ready for it. So... What, what is feeling tone? What is Vedana? Many of you 
have already heard teachings about Vedana have an idea. Some of you may not. Actually, I'm curious. Just show of hands. How many people um, are not that familiar with the teaching on Vedana feeling tone? A show of hands. Yeah, a few people. Okay, great. Don't be shy. Great. Okay. So Vedana or feeling tone um, it's it's not emotions. It's they're not feelings. Even though the word feeling is in there, they're not feelings. It's a feeling tone, and I actually prefer the word vedana compared to feeling tone because whenever the word feeling is dropped, and people think, oh, it's about feeling. It's about emotions. It's and it's not. It's much simpler than that. It is much simpler. It's like a building block. It's like a building block, and what it is. It's simply that, that um, this, the sense of pleasant, unpleasant, and neither pleasant nor unpleasant, which as a shorthand we call neutral. So pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. It's just that, and it's so simple, and it comes before... Um, before before the other feelings, before the feelings of liking, not liking, at, at getting attached to it, loving, hating, all of those are, are, are they all come later. Vedana is really, it's like a ref, reflex that, that happens in the mind when the mind contact, make contact with an object. When the mind makes contact with an object of sight or hearing, when you hear something, anything, or any of the senses, sensations, when there's a sensation, awareness makes contact with a sensation or a taste, or a smell, or in the mind door, a thought comes up, an object of thought. The mind door, the sixth door in Buddhism is the mind door. When there is contact, when the mind makes contact with any object, Vedana, the feeling tone, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, is what arises after that contact, after that pasa, the word in Pali, Vedana arises from that. And I like to think of that as reflexive because often we don't even have control. We don't have control over our likes and dislikes or, or rather over our pleasant, unpleasant or neutral reactions that come up after that contact. So there is a contact with an object. You, you, see, you, you hear a sound, there's, there's hearing, and then pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. And at first, it's very, it's very subtle. It's very subtle, and later, only later, it gets stronger and stronger. When it gets stronger, when that pleasant, unpleasant, neutral gets stronger, then usually other things follow that. Then there's liking, then there's disliking, then there is wanting, not wanting, then there is, you see where I'm going with that. So at first it's very, very subtle. At first it's just pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. It's just, it's like a label that the mind attaches, just the label that the mind attaches. The mind just kind of looks around and sees pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. So what's, what's fascinating about this is that it's... Um, It's, it's like uh, the, the, the book by Malcolm Gladwell, Blink. We often make these decisions. We often make decisions 
in an instant without even knowing what we made that decision. And then we make reasons, we make justifications for why we made that decision. But often what's actually driving those decisions, um, what's actually driving um, the the tanha, the clinging, the wanting, the not wanting, the suffering, everything that comes later, it's it, it rests on that pleasant, unpleasant, neutral that we often don't see. So what, w- why, one reason why this teaching is so important, the teaching on the Vedana is so important and it has its very own Satipatthana is, is, um, is that it's actually the place where um, the link, it's in, in, the, uh, in the link of dependent, or in the 12 links of dependent origination. It's where it's, it's simplest, it's easier to actually break that link, that conditioning, to see that conditioning between Vedana and Tanha. So after contact has happened, after Pasa has happened, the mind has made contact with an object, has seen something. Say, actually, um, let me give you an example. So, the way the way our minds usually work, for example, when we're sitting on the cushion, so we're sitting, and all of a sudden, um, we just can't stand it anymore. It's just it's you know you want to get up, or it's, it's too unpleasant. It's it's too it's it's. Um, you have taken birth. You have taken birth as a person who doesn't want to sit anymore. Who's who's very who's very um, uncomfortable or sad or, or whatever whatever has 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 come up. So so at that point, it's much later in the chain of dependent origination. It's it's uh, if we interpreted that as something that in, in a daily in 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 a um, in in a uh, daily life model. So in a one life model. So, um, so the the becoming, which which you have become this 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 you know person who doesn't want to sit anymore. But the steps before that, the steps before that, uh, there was actually a tanha, which is which is not wanting, not wanting the unpleasantness of the pain anymore. It's it's not wanting. It's it's pushing it away. It's 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 um, it's it's the the um, the craving for the pain to stop. Before that was actually the the unpleasantness of the pain. So if we can actually see the the unpleasant when it started, it's separating the unpleasant. It's the unpleasant from all, everything else that that comes afterwards. Everything else, the the, the chain that unfolds after the unpleasant just shows up. So um, let me share with you um, a teaching on, on the two arrows because the unpleasant actually is, um, is, is the, the Vedana, is the feeling tone that we often run away from. So in the Salata Sutta, which is the teaching of the arrow from Samyutta Nikaya 36.6, Bhikkhus, an ordinary person, experiences pleasant Vedana, Sukha Vedana, unpleasant or painful Vedana, Dukkha Vedana, and neutral Vedana, Adukha Asukha Vedana. So here, as you notice, adukkha is not dukkha, asukha is not pleasant. It's not, not neither pleasant, n- nor neither unpleasant nor pleasant Vedana. A well-instructed disciple also experiences pleasant, painful, and neutral Vedana. So what difference, what distinction, what distinguishing factor is there between the well-instructed disciple and the ordinary person? So I ask you that. So what is the difference? Actually, contemplate that in your own minds for a moment. I ask you to close your mind and actually ask yourself, so what is the difference with a well-instructed disciple who experiences pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral Vedana 
versus someone um, who's, who's not? What's the difference? If this was not a silent retreat, we would be having an interactive discussion right now. But since it is, you just get to answer in your own mind. And if you have a little sheet of paper, actually, you may want to write it. Like, what, what is your guess? What is, it dis- what is the difference? What is the teaching here, do you think? Does anybody need more time for the answer? Okay. So, continues. For us, Sarah Bonte, the teachings have the venerable one as their root, their guide, and their arbiter. It would be good if the venerable one himself would explicate the meaning of the statement. Having heard it from the venerable one, the bhikkhus will remember it. So basically the bhikkhus are saying, oh, we're not going to answer it. Uh, why, why don't you tell us what the answer is? So I tricked you. I actually ha- asked you to answer it. But whereas the, the, the bhikkhus said, okay, we're, we're not going to answer it. Bhante, Venerable Sir Buddha, gave us the answer. So anyway... So in in that case, bhikkhus, listen and pay close attention. I will speak. As you say, sir, the bhikkhus responded. The venerable one said, when touched with painful vedana, the ordinary person then also experiences sorrow, grief, lamentation, beats their chest, and becomes distraught. So they feel two pains, a physical and a mental pain. Just as if a person was shot with an arrow, and right afterwards they were shot with another one, so that they would feel the pain of two arrows. In the same way, when touched with painful Vedana, the ordinary person sorrows, grieves, laments, beats their chest, and becomes distraught, so they feel two pains, physical and mental. As they are touched by painful Vedana, they become resistant. Actually, let me pause for a moment. So the first part is pretty, it's pretty clear. So, so it, this is the beautiful teaching that you've probably heard many, many times about the two arrows. Um, and actually, it took, took, a, took me a long time in my practice until I actually saw the sutta where it was really written. And it's, it's the explanation, the way that the Buddha talks about it is actually beautiful. Um, and it continues. There, there are more in here that we'll talk about in a moment. But it's, it's, it's both physical and mental. So it's not just that you've been, uh, the, the, the unpleasant Vedana is, not, is, is the first arrow that you've been hit by. That's the unpleasant. You, something feels unpleasant in your life. But then, then, then one adds lamentation and why does it have to be me and, and grief and, and just the the mental sorrow, the, the mental aspect of it is added to it as the second arrow. So that, that aspect of being distraught, the mental pain is the second arrow that we often add after something unpleasant, after unpleasant Vedana comes our way. We, we don't get what we want in, in the food line or... or the weather is not one to what we want. It's unpleasant. Or somebody next to us is, is loud in their breathing, breathing. Or whatever it is, that unpleasantness. Like, and then, oh, this shouldn't happen. Why me? Why shouldn't I be sitting here? They shouldn't be doing this. They should move. I should, you know. Uh, uh, uh. All of that, that, that mental agitation, that's the second arrow that get, gets added to just sound. Sound. It's just sound. And what's really actually fascinating about Vedana is that it's the label that the mind puts on an object. It's not inherent in the object at all. A sound is just a sound. The same sound, in fact, it's fascinating. Try this sometime. The same sound can change from being unpleasant to being unpleasant to being neutral. I noticed this years ago in my practice after I heard this teaching and I was listening to the sound of a clock, tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock. And up to then, I had associated the sound of clock, especially at night when I wanted to sleep, to be really, really annoying. I don't know if, if you've ever stayed at a friend's place 
um, where they have a clock in the room and it goes tick, tock, tick, tock. It's, it's really loud. It feels really annoying, doesn't it? Anyone, anyone has had that experience? Am I the only one? Yeah, a few hands. Thank you. So, so I've always associated the tick tock of a clock to be just really, really unpleasant, really unpleasant. And then I heard this teaching and I remember I was sitting and still listening and I had this association with this tick tock, unpleasant, unpleasant, unpleasant. And all of a sudden, it actually, the same tick tock started to sound pleasant. And it was the most, it was like the most interesting symphony I had ever heard. <gasps> tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Wow. T- and, and like every, every beat of it was fun. I, it, it, it was pleasant. I mean, I couldn't explain it. I had never had that experience before. I, so I kept listening. Oh, this is wild. I, I'm not on anything. There were, you know, there, was no, <laughs> there were no mushrooms in my meal. Um, it just, and then, and then it became neutral. It was neither pleasant nor unpleasant. It was just tick-tock, tick-tock. It was just a sound. It blew my mind. It's so interesting that it's really the mind that, that labels any experience as pleasant or unpleasant. It's not inherent in the object. And in fact, um, it's interesting, that can even happen, wildly enough, with pain, with, what we dis- what we, what, with physical sensations. So, so... I have a chronic condition, so I've had a lot of um, um, the pleasure to to experience and explore body pain as an object. And it's so interesting that the the sensations in the body, there, there are times that I have pain all over the body, everywhere, like everything hurts. And um, there are times that that at, at times, I mean, before practice in, in early times, it would be pain, just pain. And then there was, okay, sensation, unpleasant. Sensation, unpleasant. And then at some point, I was so curious about the sensations that it was just sensation. And then it felt like fireworks. It felt like these unusual interesting sensations that usually I don't experience. It was fun. It was, I mean, it's weird to say, right? But the sensations that were often have the label unpleasant became pleasant because they were interesting. I mean, there was in, on some level, they were still unpleasant, right? Because it was pain, but the mind was labeling them. Wow. Cool. Wow. Check that out. Like, Wow, that's unusual. I've never felt if I was a Martian and landed in this body. Wow, this was this is pretty wild. You see where I'm getting at? So, so Vedana, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, is what our mind labels it. What our mind puts on on um, on an object, on an experience, and in fact, um, what's interesting is that in the Visuddhimagga. In um, actually, I think yeah. In, in, in um, uh, actually, I think it's in, actually in Abhidhamma. It's in the uh, it's some, somewhere in my notes. When I get to it, I'll correct it. But I pr- pretty much I remember it's it's the, in the Abhidhamma in, in the uh, higher teachings in the compendium. Um, it said that the um, the four um, the five sense doors only the um, the, the, the feeling, the body sense door, um, actually has, um, sometimes it has inherent uh, n- pleasant, unpleasant, neutral associated with the Vedana. All the other doors, hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, the object, when you become con- in contact with it, the, when the mind becomes in contact with it, there is no inherent pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. It's what the mind puts on it. Now, isn't that interesting? I think that's good news. 
because things are not inherently unpleasant. It's what our mind labels them to be. All right, let, let's go back to the Salata Sutta. Where were we? Okay, let's get back. Okay, so, so they feel two pains, physical and mental. That's where we left off. As they are touched by painful Vedana, and by the way, notice that in this translation, uh, they're using painful for the word um, uh, dukkha. Uh, often, uh, uh, dukkha Vedana is translated as unpleasant Vedana, but here it's translated as painful Vedana, which sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. We can talk about that in a minute, but, but keep that in mind, because... Um, when it's physical, when the Vedana is physical, I think the, 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 the translation painful can work better, but, but not always. Sometimes it's just unpleasant. It's not necessarily painful. Right? The TikTok wasn't painful. It was just unpleasant. It was just annoying. It was just unpleasant. So as they are touched by painful Vedana, they become resistant. That's interesting. They become resistant. Huh. Where is he going with this? As they are touched by painful Vedana, they become resistant. Then, in they who so resist painful Vedana, an underlying tendency of resistance against painful Vedana comes to underlie their mind. Huh. Touched by painful Vedana, they yearn for sensual pleasure. Kamasukha. Why is that? Because the ordinary person does not know any escape from painful Vedana, aside from sensual pleasure. Wow! Isn't that interesting? So, let's, let's unpack that. Let's unpack that. Okay. So, the, the person who's not, who's not trained, who's... Um, um, who it, it is, who's not a disciple, who's not, it's not, it's not a well-instructed disciple. So they, when they are touched by painful Vedana, they become resistant to it, right? There's like, oh, oh, not this, push it back, unpleasant. I don't want this. I don't want this. We all have that experience, don't we? Anyone not have that experience? We usually have that experience. Yeah, let's be honest. We usually have that experience. Okay, so become resistant. And then, in that resistance, they yearn for sensual pleasure. So, that is fascinating. There's so much in there. So, um, I'll tell you some personal stories. So, so it's, it's happened for me in the past when... so. I'm sitting at home, daily life, and I'm thinking about something, and all of a sudden the thought comes, chocolate. Some chocolate would be really nice right now. I'm thinking, wait a minute, where did that come from? Okay, let's have some mindfulness. Let's, let's unpack what, 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 is, what just happened. And when I look at that, just the moment before, there was this wish for something pleasant. And I love chocolate, by the way. I love dark chocolate. So the, the moment before that desire for, for something pleasant, for sensual pleasure, kamasukha, just before that, there was a moment of, ah, this is hard, or this is sad, or this is difficult. There was a moment of unpleasant. It's so interesting to see to see those connections in your mind. Because if I don't see it, I'll, I'll just go and have the chocolate or the ice cream or whatever it is. Or, and this is, this is a small example, but this is how in, in more serious cases, addictions happen, right? Because we're trying so much to get away from something that is unpleasant and we don't even see that, that connection that we're trying to get from unpleasant. And we're going for something that's, Oh, it's pleasant. Oh, I can, free, I can just calm that unpleasant feeling with something that is pleasant. And this happens so much. Sometimes it's not so harmful. Okay, 
chocolate, maybe that's okay. But sometimes when it's repetitive and it's mindless and you just do it over and over and over again and you don't even see what's underneath it, you don't even make peace with what is happening, what is driving that drive, that, that, that desire, that urge to calm, to, to, um, to quench that unpleasantness with something pleasant. Just give me something pleasant, please, 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 so I can forget about this unpleasant thing that's happening right now. So the Buddha says, why is that? Because the ordinary person does not know any escape from painful Vedana aside from sensual pleasure. Ordinary person knows no escape. That's the only escape. It's unpleasant. Oh, let's let's pour some pleasant on it by any means necessary. Then, in those who seek sensual pleasure, an underlying tendency tendency to lust, raga, for pleasant vedana comes to underlie their mind. They do not know, as it actually is present, the arising, and the ending of these vedana. So seeing that the Vedana, this feeling tone, it just comes and goes. It arises and passes away. It just comes and goes. They don't see that. The untrained person does not see that there's impermanence in the Vedana, in the unpleasantness. This is actually an interesting to see that every, every pleasant it arises, it passes away. Every unpleasant arises and passes away. Neutral too. They just all come and go like winds. They do not know as it actually is present. So also they do not know as it's actually present. They don't actually see it. They don't even see with clarity the unpleasant. They don't with clarity see the present they just don't see and it's possible it's it's possible to see all of this it's possible to see in your experience and when you start to see actually in in practice i remember years ago um in one of my early retreats when i got a teaching about this i think the mind was calm enough that i started to to say okay i'm going to i'm going to start to you know um, try to see Vedana. And I started to see, oh, everything, everything in my sphere of experience, everything was being labeled by the mind. And before that, I was seeing none of it. Nada, nothing. And after that, it seemed like everything, everything was labeled pleasant, unpleasant, <laughs> neither pleasant nor not pl- un- unpleasant. It's everything. When you start to, to tune into it, when you start to see one thing, and then you start to see how it drives your experience. When you, you start to see how it drives your experience. Um, I, I remember again on the same retreat, I think what, what really unleashed it for me was, was I was walking and there was a little bit of, I think, um, feeling of thirst. So there was, the, there was this sensation of feeling thirsty or dry. So there was contact and there was like, oh, unpleasant, oh, Oh, unpleasant. Oh, water fountain. Pleasant. Let me do this. And then it, it, it just one thing led to another, led to another, to me walking to the water fountain. So there's all this, this, this whole chain of actions unfolded, which I had to unfold and see what was at the root of, oh, it's unpleasant. Oh, it's just that thirst. That's what's driving everything. So this talk, the underlying motivation for this talk is an invitation to you to start seeing Vedana to start paying attention to it, to start seeing how the mind is labeling and how the mind is labeling pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. We usually tune out, we check out with neutral because it's not interesting enough. But see how the pleasant, unpleasant are driving your experience, are driving your, your actions, they have a hook, and they seem so, so benign. Oh, just unpleasant. Oh, just pleasant. But then the mind starts getting attached to, I want this pleasant, 
or I don't want this unpleasant to get strong. So see that. See how those are, those are connected. You, it can be seen. It can be seen. It's fascinating when you start to see it. Things start making sense in a different way when you start to see it. Okay, back to the sutta. So they do not know as it actually is present, as, as the Vedana is actually present, the arising and the ending of these Vedanas, nor the gratification, the danger, and the escape connected to these Vedanas. We'll, we'll get to the gratification, danger, and escape in a moment. In they who lack the knowledge and underlying tendency to ignorance as to neutral Vedana comes to underlie their mind. When they experience pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral Vedana, they feel it as one fettered by it. Ah, isn't that interesting? Fettered by Vedana. Who knew Vedana was so powerful? Fettered by it. Such as one because is called an ordinary person who's fettered by birth, old age, by death, by sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair. They are fettered by suffering. This I declare. I love the way he says, this I declare. They are fettered by suffering. This I declare. Now, the well-instructed disciple, when touched with painful Vedana, does not sorrow, grieve, or lament, does not beat their chest or become distraught. So they feel one pain, physical, but not mental. Just as if a person who, shot, who was shot with an arrow and right afterwards, they were not shot with another one so that they would feel the pain of only one arrow. In the same way, when touched with painful Vedana, the well-instructed disciple does not sorrow, grieve, lament, beat their chest, or become distraught. So they feel one pain, physical, but not mental. Huh. So then it's just one arrow. It's just unpleasant. It's just unpleasant. The body pain, oh, it's just unpleasant. It's not, oh, poor me, is this ever going to go away? This is terrible. I, I can't stand this, etc., etc. All, all the mental shenanigans that we know we get into. Or, oh, it's just a sound. The person next to me is making sound. Unpleasant, 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 still unpleasant, unpleasant just unpleasant. doesn't have the rest of, oh, put your own words to it. Right? It's just, it's just unpleasant. It's just unpleasant. And one thing that's actually very interesting is that an insight that can arise is that unpleasant is okay. Unpleasant when it's held with equanimity is no different from pleasant. I say that again. An insight that can arise is that pleasant can feel no different, can be held no differently from unpleasant, from neutral. It's not that they're not there. It's not that your experience becomes all gray and, oh, no, there's no pleasant, no unpleasant. No, there's, there's, there'll be plenty of it, but it can all be held. It can all be held. It can all be held. I'll talk more about pleasant momentarily. So just to finish the sutta. Having been touched by painful Vedana, they do not resist it. Interesting. Before we had resistance, right? Now here we have no resistance. Hence, in them no underlying tendency of resistance against painful Vedana comes to underlie their mind because it's just unpleasant. Unpleasant, 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 unpleasant. There's no resistance. There's no pushing away. 
under the impact of painful Vedana, they do not proceed to seek sensual happiness. And why not? As a well-taught noble disciple, they know of an escape from painful Vedana other than by seeking sensual pleasure. Then, in they who do not proceed to seek sensual pleasure, no underlying tendency to lust for pleasant Vedana come to underlie their mind. They know, as it actually is present, their rising and ending of these Vedana and the gratification, the danger and the escape connected with, this, with these Vedana. And those who know thus, no underlying tendency to ignorance as to neutral Vedana come to underlie their mind. When they experience pleasant, painful or neutral Vedana, they feel it as one who is not fettered by it. Wow, there's freedom in there. You're not fettered by it anymore, right? Because it, it, doesn't, it doesn't lead you to particular behavior to, do, to, to get away from it, to run away from it. When they experience pleasant, painful, or neutral Vedana, they feel it as one who is not fettered by it. Such a one, because is called the well-taught noble disciple, who is not fettered by birth, old age, by death, by sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair. They are not fettered to suffering. This I declare. I love this declaration too. They are not fettered to suffering. This I declare. This is the difference. And this is the distinction. This is the distinguishing factor between the well-instructed disciple and an ordinary person. So, I want to say a little bit about, since I talked so much about unpleasant Vedana, I want to talk a little bit about pleasant Vedana. Um, so, there is no, there is no harm, there is no, um, how should I put it? Not that there's no harm. It's, um, there is nothing wrong with pleasant Vedana. There's nothing wrong with appreciating, enjoying pleasant Vedana, even though sometimes we feel that in, in this tradition, it's a killjoy tradition. You know, it's dangerous. It's, it's not. As long as one doesn't become attached one doesn't want more of it. You can, you know, the mind can enjoy, can be with the pleasant Vedana. It's fine. It, in fact, it can nourish you when there is no attachment to it. It comes and it goes when you see the impermanence of it. Oh, this tastes lovely. Mmm, delightful. Mmm, let yourself be nourished. Oh, what a beautiful day. What a beautiful sunrise. What a beautiful sunset. Ah, let yourself be nourished. Let, let yourself enjoy the pleasant Vedana. As long as you know it arises and passes away, and it's okay. There is no grasping. There is no wanting it to be any different. And let yourself be nourished by it. There's no moratorium. That's the word I was looking, looking for. There's no moratorium against joy, against pleasant Vedana. In fact, the Buddha was known as the happy one, living in happiness. And he remembered his childhood happiness and pleasure of concentration just before his liberation. And again, through this practice, it's not, it's not um, the, your experience of life is not supposed to become gray all neutral, no pleasant, no unpleasant. I'm a good yogi. <laughs> no. So there, there, there will continue to be pleasant and unpleasant and neutral. And with equanimity, they're all held they don't drive you. They don't drive your behavior. They don't draw your, your happiness and unhappiness is not dependent on the Vedana, on the pleasant and unpleasant that you experience in life. And that's freedom. That's freedom. That's what we're doing here. 
not to avoid pleasant, not to avoid unpleasant, to embrace them all with equanimity and not let our freedom, our ease, to be dependent on either of them. So, seeing Vedana, seeing pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, also is a practice that, as practice in and of itself, can lead to, to liberation and freedom. It ties in with, with the three characteristics also, we're seeing the three characteristics of anicca, dukkha, anatta, impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and not-self. So, seeing the impermanence, it's so easy to see the impermanence of, the, of Vedana, how it arises and passes away. I invite you to see it in your own experience. How it arises, passes away, how it changes. How the TikTok that was pleasant becomes unpleasant, becomes neutral, then, you know, changes, changes. The sounds. Sounds are actually the, one of the easiest places to see this, to experience the changing of the Vedana. To see the impermanence. In the Samyutta Nikaya, the, the Vedana is likened to fierce winds that suddenly arise in the sky coming from four directions. Winds that are dusty, that are not dusty, world-pervading winds, world-destroying winds, weak winds, strong winds, even whirlwinds. Feelings in the body are just like those winds. Various types of feelings arise, one after another, pleasant, painful, neutral. See them as winds. And when you see that, you see there, is, there isn't really so much choice. It can be seen that all of these Vedanas, all these labelings, they just happen on their own. There is not so much choice. It can be seen. It doesn't feel so much personal when you can see that. When, when the mind is just labeling pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, pleasant, you know, it just it's going on. It's like, whoa, who ordered this? Then it's anatta. It's not, it's, if you had choice, you would probably label everything as pleasant, wouldn't you? It's, You don't have a choice. The mind, it's anatta, it's not self. The mind goes ahead and labels these things based on conditioning, based on whatever conditioning it has been privy to in the past. So seeing the anicca, seeing the impermanence, and seeing the dukkha, the dukkha you can see. Also, you can see the dukkha, which is the unsatisfactoriness. So, with, with the unpleasant Vedana, you can easily see the unsatisfactoriness. With the pleasant dukkha, you can also see the unsatisfactoriness. And that ties into something that I promised to talk about, but left off in the sutta. And I will briefly talk about that before before ending tonight and that is gratification danger and escape so with the pleasant pleasant vedana with the pleasant vedana um, there is seems like there is a gratification right oh it's gratifying it's pleasant but it's actually there's danger in that because no sense experience experience is ever enough. 
no amount of gratification is ever enough. This is a quote from Carl Jerome. Therefore, we constantly seeking, constantly in need, always unsatisfied, often almost unaware of how unsatisfied we really are. As we know, we are insatiable for sense pleasures because we deludedly think they are the source of happiness, when in fact, they are the source of our discomfort, of our uneasiness and anxiety, yet more danger. On another level, there is the danger that if we get a great deal of sense gratification, we'll be able to convince ourselves that we are really happy, that we aren't stressed, that we feel peaceful and happy. And in Buddhist cosmology, constant sense gratification leads us to become devas, gods in the heavenly realm. And what's wrong with that? Good question. What's wrong with that? Appealing as it may seem on the surface, what's wrong is that it leaves us unaware of how fraught with danger our lives have become. We're unable to see that running from one purchase to another, from one vacation spot to another, from concert to another, is stressful and destructive. Once we become devas, we're we're stuck in the fog of our own delusion, that we're happy. And then one small event, like losing an iPhone, can shatter us. A market crash that means we can no longer indulge ourselves in material luxuries leaves a deva karmically devastated without any understanding how to deal and how to find a path to spiritual renewal. So the way to escape, of course, is to stop believing that sense pleasure is the answer and to realize that we can have real long-term peace and happiness by abandoning our lust and desire for sensory pleasure and allowing our hearts to guide us into lives of compassion and service to others. I think that's a good place to end. Let's just close our eyes for a moment and sit together in silence. When they experience pleasant, painful, or neutral Vedana, they feel it as one who is not fettered by it. Such a one bhikkhus is called a well-taught, noble disciple who is not fettered by birth, by old age, by death, by sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair. They are not fettered to suffering. This I declare. They are not fettered by fettered to suffering. This I declare. Thank you for your kind attention.